0: Amen. Thank you, honey. Yes. You know, first I just want to say how precious each of you are. You know, as you were coming in today and I started looking around at you, I just felt felt such a sweetness. Uh, I felt the heart of God toward each of you. Just so just as you gather here, it's, it's like God does make us into a family. And there's just such a preciousness, a sweetness, a, a sense of unity. And I just want to thank you for being here and loving and, and releasing your love one for another like you do. Yes. So I'm just thankful for the opportunity to share with you today. Uh, I want to just start by saying that in 1972, june june of 1972 my husband rodney we were actually he was not my husband at that time that happened nine months later when we got married but in june of 72 he boarded a bus in johnson city tennessee along with some other college students about his age and some high school students all from different churches there in johnson city that's his hometown johnson city tennessee and the bus drove all the way to dallas texas for a week-long gathering of about seventy-five thousand young adults, college age students, and it was for what they call Expo seventy-two. Explosion 1972. These people were serious about Jesus. They were serious about evangelism. They were serious about spreading the Christian gospel. And they had come together to pray, to to listen to Christian Christian music, to Uh, have Bible study and to learn more about evangelism. It was all part of the bigger thing that was happening in the nation called the Jesus Movement. And some of you have seen the recent movie that's been released called Jesus Revolution, which tells about the Jesus Movement, which actually started in the late 60s and went into the 70s. And in California is where it started, but it began to sweep across the nation, actually went into different parts of, of Europe and into Central America. It was a time when people were looking uh, for answers. It was a time of darkness and division in the country, kind of like what we have nowadays. But uh, people were, were looking for truth, and they turned to God. So many people turned to God, and they found his son Jesus and became born again that was what the jesus movement was all about and i recommend the movie if you've not seen it because that was it shows how widespread it was like wildfire that began to sweep as people began to share their faith one with another and this this has been a time when uh people have begun to to talk about it on social media If they've seen this movie recently and when they hear about the revivals that are happening in different parts of the country right now on college campuses and elsewhere, uh, they they begin to say things like, God, do it again. We can see God do it again. If you've seen some of the pictures of people that have been in the Jesus movement, you know, you see them with their their hands like this. They're pointing upwards. They're saying it's a sign of one way. There's one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. And that's what that, that symbol was all about. One way Jesus. And yeah, God can do it again, and God wants to do it again, but I say let's do it again. Let's do what we know to do. Let's let's take the mission of spreading the gospel so seriously that we actually spread the gospel. That's what God wants us to do. He is so He's so willing, He's so ready. He just needs the church to be prepared, to do our part to spread the the gospel. When I got out of that movie the other night, I was there with our grandsons and their parents. Uh, but anyway, when we came out, I know I was so stirred, and I know that that they were as well. But I w- it's like everybody I saw as I walked out, it's like I was thinking, are they? Do they need Jesus? Does this one need Jesus? I wonder about them. Do they need Jesus? And you know, I just really had a. A greater uh, desire to be a part of what God wants to do because as as a Christian as the part of the family of God it's like we want to be involved in our Father's work and the truth is that there's so many people that need Jesus all around us and we it, you know it's odd it's, it can be odd to walk up to somebody and say do you know Jesus but we can engage in conversations with people we can do that. We can speak about, we can plant seeds about the goodness of God, about the love of God, and pray for fruition of that in their lives. There's a time that I recall when uh, we were living in Johannesburg, South Africa, and we had been traveling somewhere, and we were flying back into Joburg, and I remember when we landed that there was a, a porter, a young man that wanted to carry our luggage to the car, and he approached us and said, may I, can I help you with that? And we said, yes you can Uh, but as he did that I just sensed a nudge from the Holy Spirit asking me to ask this young man about Jesus and so as we walked I said and we would like to help you as well And he said what do you mean and I said well do you know Jesus Christ and I just began to speak to him about the Lord and you know by the time we got to the car this man was ready to say yes to Jesus. In fact, he did. He said yes to Jesus. We didn't have to close our eyes or have a formal prayer. He was just wanting to say yes to Jesus. You know, it wasn't the probably the, the, the best of situations because I didn't have the opportunity to really dis- disciple, to have a, an input in discipling him, which is really what We're instructed to do, you know, in the Bible, Jesus said to his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, of all people groups and teach them what I've commanded you. You know, he's saying there, whatever you've learned from me, whatever you've, whatever I have taught, you've seen me teach, whatever you've seen me do, that's what I want you to do. So that's what we should always be ready to disciple people that we lead to the Lord, to help show them the way and to uh to walk that walk of getting closer to the lord and knowing how to live for him but i do remember encouraging him to find a church where he could hear the word of god taught and to have good fellowship with other believers but i i felt that this young man had was somebody that people had been praying for somebody had been praying for him because there was such a nudge of the holy spirit for me to speak i feel like i at least sowed seeds in his life and do you ever, have you ever done that? Have you ever prayed to God to, to um, bring somebody across the path of, of somebody that you've been praying for, you know, somebody that you want to be born again, and you just feel like you need help with that. You need somebody else to have input in their life. You need someone else to have influence there. And so you pray, Lord. Somebody, if it's somebody they work with or somebody that they know or somebody else, I thank for bringing them across their paths that can speak into their lives. And so that's always a good thing to, a good prayer to pray. You know, every person that we meet that is not yet a Christian is a possible convert to Christianity. It doesn't mean that we have to always speak about Jesus with people we meet. We don't always have to just immediately start talking about the Lord. But I believe it would be of God for us to be a witness to everyone we meet. And that's something we can do, we can all do. We can, we can exhibit kindness, we can show love. You know, there's so much love that God has for people. The Word tells us, you know, John three sixteen was the first probably verse I ever learned as a child. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's how much God loves the world everybody in the world that he sent his son for them and so to show so people that God loves can we just pick up on that love and show love back to them so we can be a witness to people even by our lifestyle by by uh, what we say how we treat them and it can go a long way to opening their opening them up to receive of God and pray for we can pray for uh, God to work to open to move on their hearts we can pray that God moves on the hearts of those that we know need a relationship with him. We can pray that the eyes of their understanding would be opened to the things of God. And we can pray that the barriers that the enemy has placed on their minds would be removed. We're told in 2 Corinthians 4.4 that the God of this world, Satan, has blinded those who do not believe. So blinders to be removed and eyes to be opened and hearts to, to be opened by the Lord. You know, prepare, help prepare someone uh, to, to hear about the God and want, and want his son Jesus by praying. You know, we, we've spoken about our prayers this morning and how we know that they're received in heaven. Um, I actually, I know this may sound silly, sometimes the words, the, the pictures that I get seem a little... Strange, but but God speaks to me through pictures that He shows me, and even when we we're worshiping this morning, I saw like an airplane that was wanting to come in and land, but it needed a lit uh, runway. It needed lights on the runway, and I just got the sense that God's saying, "I, I am coming. I do. I, there's so much I want to just make contact with my people, that people that don't yet know me. I'm I'm ready. I'm coming. I'm coming, but I need the church to have have the land prepared it needs to be lit up it needs to be showing the way for others and and uh, for others to be able to receive me and so we are the light of the world and so we need to stay lit you know so that others can find their way uh there's a there's I didn't mean to mean to say this but there was a motel that used to have that as their motto that they'd keep the light on Waiting for you, you know. So that's we need to keep the light on at all times, you know, and, and that others can find their way by seeing what, by seeing us that we have something for them, and so uh, they can see us by the lights that we have on. You know, John David told me the other day that he has made a list of people that students that he knows that he has contact with at school that don't have a relationship with the Lord yet, which. Uh, I'm sure that his list could probably be practically the whole school. But uh, he he put a few on the list that he really was feeling something for them, that they were on his heart. Made a list of them, and he's been praying for those people every day. And when he told me that, I just thought, that is so good to do something, you know, to actually take action about something and then trust God to do his part. So I encourage you to do the same, to really... You know, when we, when we write them down as a reminder to pray for them, that really is what opens the door, opportunity for them to, to, uh, to be receptive of the gospel when they're presented with it. And so I was just so glad to hear that he was doing something like that. Uh, we can't save people, but we can befriend them. We can befriend them and we can share with them the things that God has done in our lives as you have opportunity to do that. It may not be right at first, but as you walk with the person, uh, because you've you've come closer to them because you believe God really is wanting to do something in their lives, and so you spend time with them, and you want to encourage them, and just drop little uh, testimonies uh, in your conversation about what God has done for you, and you're given the opportunity to walk with them many times on their journey as they discover Christ. We in our community group, with this church, we meet, you know, Wednesday nights, twice a, twice a month, we have what we call community group. And Wednesday, this last Wednesday, we met together and we had prayer. And our prayers are just, just I love the prayer time because there's just such a sense that, yes, God is going to receive this and we're going to see something come of it because we're in such unity and releasing our faith together. And we have seen miracles even as a result of our prayer times. But we've really taken it to heart to pray Um, for the two young men in here, Peter and John David, uh, about their school campus because they have such a heart uh, full of fire for the campus, for people to to know the Lord. And so we've we've been praying for them and and that that fire in them would be spread on the campus. And I've been thinking about a song that expresses some of that. Uh, The summer that I graduated from high school, I worked at a place called Ridgecrest Baptist Assembly because I grew up in the Southern Baptist denomination, and Ridgecrest is in Black Mountain, North Carolina, and it is a conference center. It's still a conference center, but I'm not sure if the if it's still owned by the by the Baptists. But uh, I worked there all summer, on the staff, and we had an opportunity to form a group of singers. Not that I'm great at, in, as a singer but i was excited to be a part of that group and so we learned a song that was uh at that time it was an early christian contemporary song and we learned a song that we sang to each group each week another several that several i guess thousands of people would come through during the summer but hundreds of people would come each week for for different emphasis and we would sing that song. It was called, It Only Takes a Spark to Get a Fire Going. And I want to share the words with it. Not that I'll sing it. My husband sang it to me the other day. He does know it. He could sing it for you. But I'll just give you the words. Yeah, he won't. You know, Rodney, I, he really is a great singer. And I think Minda got her talent from him. But um, if you listen closely, it's just that he'll change keys every now and then. And he kind of gets lost where he's supposed to be. But uh, anyway, it's, it's great. But anyway... It only takes a spark, and you guys listen to these words, okay? It only takes a spark to get a fire going. And soon all those around can warm up to its glowing. That's how it is with God's love once you've experienced it. You spread his love to everyone you want to pass it on. I'm leaving out one of the verses. But I wish for you, my friend, this happiness that I've found. Is that what you all feel? On God you can defend, depend. On God you can depend. It matters not where you're bound. I'll shout it from the mountaintops. I want the world to know. The Lord of love has come to me. I want to pass it on. You know, passing it on, saying words like that, even singing those kind of words, is, is great. That's one thing. But actually passing it on, that's another thing. Actually passing on about the goodness of God, passing on the gospel passing on about his love, passing those things on. uh, That's another thing, especially if you're a shy person or reserved reserved in your ways. And that's exactly what I was growing up. I was just so timid that I, I say now that I realize what I was doing is I was hiding behind my mother's skirt. You know, back in that day when I was a little girl, my mother and her friends seemed to always wear these full skirts. You've seen pictures of the way women women dressed in the 50s and um, it was great for me because mama's skirt was so wide I could you know she would be out like this and I could hide behind it. When we were meeting people or you know someone asked me a question I just kind of take a duck behind her. It was hard for me to look at people in the eye and um, it was a real situation. People just kind of chuckled about it they thought it was kind of sweet but I just didn't know how I was going to come out of that, or or if and when I would. But thankfully, my parents took us, we all went to church. They took me to church regularly. We were part of the church community. I'm so thankful for that. And so I was a part of children's department, you know, and so I was taught, I was taught in the home, but I was taught in the church about Jesus and his love, and, you know, songs that. I'm sure that you all know, like, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Uh, I believed the Bible. The Bible told me that Jesus loved me, so I believed that. And then one of the songs that we sang all the time was, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. I'm seeing a few heads shake, but uh, probably the... uh, Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. Yes, Jesus <laughs> loves the little children of the world. And I believed that. I believed that. I heard, and then I heard the stories of missionaries that would come through our church. Uh, people that had been serving in different parts of the world. When they would come back, as we would say, on furlough or to spend some time in the states. Well, we had in the Baptist um, denomination, we had home missionaries and foreign missionaries. Some that worked in the larger cities or different places in the country where they were assigned to work uh, with people groups, But, but many, many, many foreign missionaries. And when they would come back to the States, to their home, they would come to our church, and we supported quite a few missionaries in the church I grew up in, and I would hear their stories. Oh my goodness, I loved their stories. It would just speak to my heart. Just to hear about tribes of people that would come to the Lord, You know, particularly the stories about Africa, it's like it just jumped off of them onto me. It was just like, oh, God. You know, I just like caught that heart. It was just, God just spoke to me through their stories, through their testimonies. That's how powerful testimonies can be. So it's important that we do share about the things God does in our lives because it can encourage others. Um, But I would hear the stories, and I would think, God, But how could I ever do anything like that? How could I ever go anywhere and really share because I'm afraid to talk to people? Um, But thankfully, God had, by his Holy Spirit, poured out his love in my heart. Romans 5, 5 has become probably my favorite verse. For the love of God has been shed abroad or poured out, another translation says, in our hearts by the Holy Spirit the love of God the love of God is it, so That verse speaks to me that yes God loves me and I can experience the love that he has for me which is amazing but that when he pours his love in my heart that means I have a supply of love that I can now give to other people you know is yes he loves me with it but it, it, it he works through me to give to others it's amazing the love of God has been poured out in our hearts because I had received the Lord. Rodney said I was nine. Actually, I think I was younger than that, but it was nine. I was nine when I actually joined the church. But I, I knew that I had asked Jesus in my life and that he was my Lord. And so his Holy Spirit had poured his love into my, into my heart. And I had a supply of love, just as each of you do as well. So I knew at an early age that Jesus really loved me, and I knew that He loved everyone. I mean, the song told me so He loved the red, the yellow, the black, and the white. He loved everybody. you know And so I wanted to to love them as well because cause God had such a love for them. And, and I knew that, and I learned later some verses uh, such as um, Romans 2:11 that lets us know that God was no respecter of persons. That, that phrase right there, that God is no respecter of persons, is actually found in a number of places in the Bible, because he wants to reveal to us that he loves people just the same. You know, he loves the, the person in, in prison just as much as he does lo- love us. He loves, you know, I used to think, God, surely you love my the pastor more than you love me, or you love, you know, my mother more than you love me. But no, he loves us all the same. He doesn't always love what we do, you know, what another person does, but it doesn't change his love for that person. It doesn't change his love for us. And so I began to really grasp that, how much God loves everybody. And there are times that I have felt that, a lot like Paul in, in the Bible, in Romans, I'm going to turn there just a minute, and you don't have to go there, though, Romans one fourteen, where Paul said, i'm like a debtor he said i am a debtor (laughs) to me that speaks of of the fact that he felt like he owed something to people it's like he felt i owe to those that don't have what i have the opportunity to get to know the one that i know you know and i i can see i feel somewhat like that and and hopefully you do too that he he said i'm ready i'm ready at all times to preach i can preach to to give to the barbarians the Greeks the wise the unwise to whomever I'm ready to preach the gospel he said because I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes and so he knew the power that was in uh, salvation he knew the power that was available it is the power of God he said I'm not ashamed of the gospel the gospel is the power of God for salvation for those who believe and so I, I begin to sense to have that same sensation that that I've got something it's so valuable I have the most valuable thing in the world I I possess salvation which is life eternally with my creator and I can know him in a personal way here on this earth and I can experience his amazing love and, and he walks with me, and he talks to me, and he helps me through all my situations. He blesses me. He brings healing to me. He brings provision to me. He's an amazing God. And what I have, so many others don't have. And so I want to give that to them. I feel like I feel like I, I need to, not just because God instructs me to do it, but because of the love he's put in my heart for them. And the most wonderful thing is that when we share our love, the love that God has given us with others, it doesn't do deplete our supply it's always an abundance of supply of God's love and there's no reason to ever be jealous of another person of their position with God because we can be as close to God as we want to if we're willing to press in and be in that place with him and his love is there for us just available for us just as much as it is with anyone else and so uh, Paul I think felt compelled because of the great commission to go into all the world and preach the the gospel to every creature, but that's a word for all of us. If we have something great, we want to share it. If I have something precious, I don't want to hold it all to myself. I want to help give it to others. And then it tells us in this same uh, scripture reference, verse 17 there with Romans uh, 1, verse 17, he says at the end of the verse, the just shall live by faith. That's us. We are, the, we are the justified. We are made righteous by God through Jesus Christ. And so by faith, we can step out and share the goodness of God with others. And so growing up in the church and learning these verses, having that wonderful opportunity, and let and take them for me, for myself, that this is the way I can live, I learned how to step out in faith and believe God. That I could begin to speak to others because I wanted to. So I began in a small way sharing in Sunday school and sharing with a few friends. And at home, I felt the freedom to do that with my parents and my brother. And I remember particularly one night after church, we used to go to church in the morning and night on Sundays. And at night, I can remember one night when I came home, I want to share um, this verse with you. Uh, I remember. Finding this scripture and taking it to my mother, I marked it here with a picture of my mother and me together. But I remember it's in Jeremiah the first chapter, where where Jesus said, where God said to Jeremiah, "Do not say I'm a youth." Another place, another translation says, "Do not say that you are a child." Peter and John, David, don't say I'm just a youth. No, for for God said here, you're going to go wherever I send you, and you're going to speak. To whoever I tell you to, whatever I command you, you shall speak. And then he said, do not be afraid of their faces. And I remember taking that to my mother and saying, look, Mama, what God just told me. He said, don't just say, oh, I'm just a child because he wants to use me. And he told me to not be afraid of their faces. And honestly, I can remember being so excited about that because I felt like that was the word for me. And we can take words from the Bible for ourselves. God wants to speak to us through his word. You know, what he did for, for Jeremiah, he wants to do for us. He wants us to not be afraid of their faces when we have the opportunity to speak to others about him. And so that was the beginning of my beginning to really step out and trust God. Um, and then I learned scriptures such as this in Second Timothy 1.7 where it says, for God says, I have not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And so God's telling us, and I'm going to expand this verse because uh, I looked up different translations of that verse. And what other, in, in other ways it's saying this, that God's saying that spirit of fear will cause us to shrink back at the approach of opposition. Does that Do you identify with that in any way (laughs) that you have experienced the spirit of fear because it wants you to shrink back at the approach of opposition or persecution that is not of him? But God's saying, I have given you my spirit, my spirit of power and resolution and courage. In other words, you have the sense, I can do this because I'm, I'm firm about it. I have courage to do it, even in the face of difficulties. That's what his... His spirit is going to give us a sense that, yes, I can do this. I can receive courage from God because his spirit is a spirit of, of, of power and love, of fervent love, and a sound mind of wise discretion and sound judgment. So it's amazing the provision of God in every area of our life. Now, the prophet Jeremiah, as you, if we read on in that, in that book of Jeremiah, you see that he was greatly persecuted by those that he spoke to about God. God had given him many words to say to disobedient people, given them an opportunity to turn around and, and live for him and love him. And, but he, he got tired of doing it. He said in, in uh, chapter, nine, chapter 20 in a couple of places, he said, I am in derision daily. He said, I, everyone mocks me. La- they laugh at me. They make fun of me. But, and so as you read down in, in this chapter 20, and you get on to chapter, uh, verse 9, he says, I think he's, he's really tempted here to pull back. He said, then I said, I will not make mention of him. It's like, I, I, I'm just not going to do it anymore, nor speak anymore in his name. But then he said, but his word, God's word, was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones I was weary of holding it back I could not so he tried to hold it back because he was tired of being mocked and made fun of being persecuted he said but I can't hold it back any longer it's like a fire it's burning in my bones can anybody identify with that are we on fire enough that we actually feel a burning sensation at times like I I got to do this I'm going to explode if I don't I've got to you know I've got to share this God is so good I've got to tell people about it his love is so amazing I want them to experience it I I can't hold back any longer so he didn't he said he said all um all of my acquaintances down in verse 10 have watched for my stumbling but in verse 11 he said but the Lord is with me as a mighty awesome one God is always with us. He never leaves us, and he will be our help. He wants us to step out. And so learning about, learning that verse about he's not given me a spirit of fear, and uh, it just really, really helped me to know what I could do in him. I want to ask you this question. If you were fearless, what would you do? If you were Undaunted, I know there's a book that Christine, Christine Kane wrote about undaunted. It just spoke to me so much. If you were not intimidated, Peter, when you go to college, there may be some professors that want to intimidate you. But if you weren't intimidated or discouraged by difficulty, what would you do? Take a moment to think about it. What would you do? If you really were not fearless, if that fear was not a part of you anymore, you dealt with it because you knew it was not of God, that that's not the spirit he gave you. Instead, he gave you his spirit, which is the spirit of power and love and a sound mind. What would you do if you really believed that and walked in it? That is most likely what God wants you to do. What you would do if you weren't fearless, that's what he wants you to do. By his spirit. With his help second Corinthians 514 is the key verse I want to give you today this is the verse that really helped me to overcome shyness more than anything it says the love of Christ compels me the love of Christ and I spoke as I spoke to you about the love is his love is for me it's toward me it abides in me but it is there for a purpose he's given me ample supply I can share it the love of Christ compels me in other words it prompts me it urges me to want to give to others and because I love him so much I don't want to hold back his love compels me the amazing love of Christ his love is almost an irresistible force it is resistible and people resist God's love all the time but what I mean by that is that it's, it's strong, it's powerful. It's an, almost like an irresistible force that helps me to overcome resistance that wants to hold me back from loving others. His love is the motivation that propels followers of Christ to share the gospel in ways that persuade people to commit their lives to Jesus. His love provides motivation to take the gospel to other nations even in the face of opposition. So I really began to step out more when I graduated from high school. And uh, my first year, 1968, I took a leap. And um, well, no, yeah, no, that was after my first year of college, right? After the first year of college in 68. I took a leap, and I, and I applied to be what the Southern Baptist denomination called student summer missionary. So I applied to be a student summer missionary where they would uh, allow college students to sign up and um, as they reviewed who you were, what experience you had, they assigned you, they accepted you and assigned you different parts of the country where you would work with other churches in amazing ways. And so I, I accepted, I was, I mean I applied, I was accepted, and my appointment, my assignment of all places was to San Francisco Bay Area, now I'm from Georgia, Tennessee. That was a long way away from me. I went to Tennessee Tech for my college days, transferred to East Tennessee State University, but I, but I was not used to that part of the country. And part of that assignment actually was in, ready for this, Hate ashbury the district of Haight-Ashbury. Some of you are familiar with, with where, that, where that is. That was the center. At that time, Haight-Ashbury was the center of the hippie movement, that was known for its drugs and anti-war protest, uh, and that was just a year after what was called in the nation. It was called the Summer of Love, and uh, it's not. The, it wasn't the love of, of Christ that that they were talking about. They, there was a motto that the hippies had: "Make love, not war." And so it was just a whole different culture than what I was used to. But we. I remember st- we stayed in a in a in a building. Uh, it, right in the middle of, of Haight-Ashbury for a few days and uh, worked with the church. And so that was really out of my comfort zone, but, but God graced me and I, and I believe that we were able to do some, some really good things and it was a good experience for me. Um, from there, I applied at the end of my graduation from college, I applied to be what was called a journeyman by the Southern Baptist denomination. A journeyman was a college graduate that would be sent overseas for two years. And so I applied and I'd been carrying a desire for Africa ever since I was very young. Um, And amazingly um, I was accepted and assigned to go to Naleregu, West Ghana for two years to work as a nurse. I had received my R.N. degree when I graduated from college, but so I was trained all summer for that. I went through their trainings through that for that. But at the end, two weeks before I was to leave, I got really sick. I got very sick. I was hospitalized, and I was unable to go. And I so the head of that um, that whole program came to visit me in the hospital. He traveled from North Carolina to come to me in Tennessee, and he came and said, you know, we the door shut right now but he said next year if you want if you want to go you've already been through our training program and we'll send you we'll send you then but you know what by the time the next year rolled around rodney had proposed to me and so <laughs> that's the direction that i felt the lord was saying for me was to go uh, with my husband at another time and so what he was saying to me what was just such a valuable lesson to me God showed me through that that my desire was right, what I wanted to do, go to Africa, but my timing was wrong. I was trying to make something happen that was not yet right in his timing. It was far better for me to go at another time when I was married and more, I don't know, more prepared, more settled, whatever, but uh, that that was God's timing for me. And so what he taught me through that is back to 2 Corinthians 5.14 that says, the love of Christ compels me. And I said that it urges me and, and um, prompts me. But another translation for the word compels is constrain or restrain. In other words, his love keeps us under control. There are times I believe that we get so excited that we want to do something we do something in our own strength that we do it in our own way i was just wanting so badly to get to africa it's like i I, that's all i saw was this opportunity that was the channel that was the way that's the way i grew up in that in that particular denomination so let me go but it wasn't the right timing it wasn't god's best for me and he showed me that that his love can actually as we submit to his love it can actually lead us in the right paths There's times that he will prompt us to go do something. There's times that he'll say, hold back. And we have uh, really been speaking this same word to several of us here in this church body lately. I know I don't want to steal anybody's thunder, but um, there was one individual Wednesday night (laughs) that said he had wanted so badly to minister to this group of people and he had been trying and trying so hard that he, he just didn't any longer know what to do. Is anxious about it, frustrated about it, and God was saying, "Just release it to me, release it to me. I'll make the opportunities for you. Just trust me." And that was what happened. That he just received peace from it, and uh, God began to bring people His way. And in another uh, another situation, we have a couple of young men in the in our group, in our community group, who who carry, as I said a moment ago, such a strong desire to see fire all over the the campus. Everybody turned on for Jesus on their campus. But uh, the Lord spoke to them just recently, Wednesday night and again this morning, through a word that someone had for them about, let that be my burden. God was saying, let that be my burden. Don't be so burdened down that it's consuming you to the point that you can't function, that you're so anxious about it or that you just get so frustrated about it. But let me... Let me carry this, and I'll open the doors, and I'll make the way for you. So God's love is an amazing thing. We, we need to learn. It will prompt us, and it will at times say, just wait. Just hold back. Let me show you which way to go. You remember the story of David and Goliath. And Goliath was, was the, the giant that defied the armies of God. And he was stronger than anybody else on that battlefield, he was much bigger than anybody else and very intimidating, constantly mocking the armies of God. You know, I'm here and I'm going to destroy every one of you. Who who thinks that they can come against me? You know, that kind of thing. But God had a man. God had prepared a man, a man that had opened himself up to God, which was David. And David took that, man, that giant down in a most unusual way, but by uh, the Spirit of God showed him what to do. I believe, with the stones, and he was able to take that giant down. My point in bringing that up is to say that I believe that we all have Goliaths that come against us in our journey of wanting to spread the gospel, that there are obstacles that get in our way, distractions, things that look like a giant at times to say, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, there's no way you're going to do this. I'm too strong. You're not going to get around me. And I think I shared with you last time that I took opportunity to uh, had opportunity to speak here. I shared that uh, one of the strongest Goliaths I've experienced in my life was when I was finally getting to go up into Africa. When I say up into Africa, we were based for a good while in South Africa, the nation of South Africa, down at the base of the of the continent. But we would go up into Uganda and Mozambique and Kenya and. the Congo and Rwanda, and so forth, and there were a couple of times that I would come back to Johannesburg very sick. I would pick up a bacteria that would I had to have treatment for, uh, and it would it was almost like it was threatening to me like you can 't keep this up you can 't keep doing this and I have, I have kind of a sensitive stomach, and it would there were foods that I would be exposed to in some of these nations that uh, and we, there would be places that we would go to where uh, sanitation was not the, the, the best way and so I would be exposed to those things and I would come back to, to Johannesburg and I would have to have quite a while to to really get over these things that had happened to my body and so I could remember as some opportunities would begin to present themselves again that I began to think whoa God but what about the diseases and what about the food and I would hear him say, but what about my love? What about my love that, you've, that has brought you along this far? My love for you, isn't it enough to take care of you? And what about my love that I want to be expressed to those people that I've opened the door and given you the opportunity to go to? His love was stronger than that. And so I, I, was, I had to take that Goliath down and get, a, and get him out of my way. I believe that we all have experienced Goliath. And then I want to share one more story with you about a missionary that went into uh, the islands of Indonesia. And I didn't know him personally, but I read about his story from, uh, in a book called Lords of the Earth by Don Richardson. And these missionaries w- w- went to tribes of people that were cannibals. And they served gods, made up gods, that supposedly hated women and hated children. And they would at times sacrifice their own children in fire to these false gods. But there were missionaries. There were people that actually went in the love of God to live amongst some of these people. And one story that meant so much to me is on one occasion, one of the men, one of the missionaries got in a canoe, and he was going to go upstream, up the river, to, to find some of these, uh, one of these people groups and to, to try to evangelize them. And the story goes that some of his family came to see him off, and they began to cry as he went because they didn't know if they would ever see him again. And he said, don't cry for me because if I die, I know where I'm going. But if they die, the people I'm going to, without Jesus, then there's no hope for them. So who are you going to cry for? He said, don't cry for me. Cry for them. Do we cry for others? That's what I want to ask you. Are we crying for others? Are we preparing the way for the Lord? Are we going to be involved in the spread of the gospel to the extent that God is going to pour his spirit out in a new awakening. You know, the Jesus movement was referred to as the last great awakening in America. It may have been the last one time-wise, but it will not be the last one. There will be another one, and I want to be a part of it. And I pray we can all be involved in it. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. I'm going to ask you a few questions here.